You think you're so great because you have boats! Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is unfortunately still not here. He is currently under the weather, and we do hope that he gets well soon. But Out Now is a film podcast where Amy and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into film, maybe a most story for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This episode, 557, 557, and this week, for, for Thanksgiving weekend, we are talking Ridley Scott's Napoleon, the latest epic from the 85-year-old director. and um. Yeah, joining myself today to discuss Napoleon and much, much more. We have writer for sites such as the AV Club, Slash Film, and Superhero Hype. Destiny has brought him to this podcast. It's Luke Thompson. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, belatedly. For sure, thank you. Also joining us for Movies, Marcus, queuing up his ABBA Greatest Hits album to Waterloo when his recording <laughs> is finished. It's Marcus Robinson. Hey, I'm eager to talk about the black exploitation Napoleon. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. That's... What what's fun is there are several like black movies that I'm definitely gonna have you on probably in the next like month <laughs> to talk about. But also like Napoleon, you know. Yeah. One of our one of our blackest French dictators. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I'm happy to have you both here. Marcus, how are you doing? Good. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh Thanksgiving it up. What are you, a stuffing guy? I'm a stuffing guy I completely. It. I nailed yes. that. Oh my god! I well, I don't. Eat, I don't eat meat. So <laughs> there there's go. what else is there? Luke, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I sure did. Yes, I've been trying to cram as many screeners in as possible, metaphorically speaking. And uh, so it's fun playing catch up when I can as a married man with several side careers. So I'm I'm getting them all in. I finally saw Killers of the Flower Moon in the proper setting as opposed to at the premiere with a couple of jerks taking screenshots the whole movie. Oh, boy. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and it made me appreciate it in a whole new way. So uh, I'm glad I could do that. Great. Good. Uh, well, I am happy to have both you guys here and I look forward to our conversation about Napoleon later on. But first, let's get some show notes. Uh, first up, it is as Abe constantly is calling. He's texting me, even though he's sick, he's texting me constantly saying, is it still November?" And I have to tell you, it is. It's still November. And so in honor, in honor of November, a term we definitely use frequently. Uh, we have a new commentary track, as we do every month. This commentary track for this month is for Alfred Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt, the 1943 so. film. So already gets. 80th anniversary um yeah that's the film we talked about this month for our commentary we had a uh, scott mendelson and brandon peters on for that that was a lot of fun uh and you can find that now it's available where you can find all our episodes uh speaking of all of our episodes can be found on itunes and spotify where you can give us also a rating interview which would be great if you like this show and all the free stuff we keep throwing out at you pay 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 it forward by by way of giving it right back to us that's how paid forward works right and uh give us a rating review <laughs> that'd be great pump us up in the old itunes charts it's a pyramid scheme a pyramid means that i'm getting something out of it from you like beyond like good gracious you know it's not like i'm scamming you to like get more out of you later on not being okay. like three months later being like did you give us those extra three reviews that you owe us <laughs> that's a okay crazy. all right all right true true so what is next month gonna be is it death December or something like that 
De- well, that's that actually makes, not bad. It makes sense that it would be December because as we've, we, we actually, we've discussed what we're going to do for our next commentary track. And I can give it to you guys right now. Uh, we're to, for December. As we definitely <laughs> need to call it. Uh, we're doing uh, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. That is our commentary to finish up the year. Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. A lot of death. A lot of death. Tons of death. Tons, <laughs> tons of child, of tons child. Of child death. <laughs> the best kind Marcus would say. Yes. <laughs> it's my favorite specialty. Uh, Willy Wonka for December is the plan currently. So stay tuned for that as well. Um, and also a uh, bonus episode. I know Abe is out currently, but hopefully he will be able to catch up and we'll still be able to provide all the other mini reviews we've been planning on doing because we want to make sure to address various films that are coming out since there's so many that are just out there right now that we can't cover all of in an extended review. So we hope to get more bonus episodes in as well. All right. I think that covers all the show notes. Let's move on. Let's get to some out now quickies. TM. Thank you. Each week, now we move to try to delete that. TM. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks for pulling up the slack on that. <laughs> That's a very important part of the show. <laughs> it's the only like, part I can nail. It, it's <laughs> like in Cabin in the Woods, where if you don't do all the stuff, those Titans slam down on you. We need that... to make sure we finish all those, like those various objectives, or else we're just not going to make it at the end of this thing. So. Let me tell you, this is the peak of my performance on this podcast. So it's all downhill from here. <laughs> that was it. You got games coming up. What are you talking about? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, quickies, let's do this. Luke Thompson, what, what other movies have you seen recently? Oh, God, a lot. Um, well, what are some yeah. highlights that you like to mention to us that you have some thoughts on? Uh, the most recent one is You Hurt My Feelings, which is like every Nicole Hollow Center movie. It's, you know, this is something that used to be a compliment. It doesn't sound like one as much anymore, but she has that sort of classic Woody Allen vibe going where it's always like a pretty solid character-based comedy. There's none of them really they're absolute classics, but they're all pretty good. I agree. Uh, I also did a Jeffrey Wright doubleheader last night with Asteroid City and uh, American Fiction, which, you know, American Fiction made me think of if Tyler Perry were a really great director, he might (laughs) make something like this because there's... (laughs) Okay, I'm well, they, I mean, they name check him, so I think it's fair to make that comparison. But there's, okay. you know, you've got this A-list comedy premise and then the B-list premise of going back to a dysfunctional family and finding out secrets. And the tone is very, I think, expertly toggled between. Um, so I really like that. Really enjoyed Asteroid City. It's been some solid screeners catching up on. And I know, Aaron, you review practically everything every week, so you may not have to be doing as much catching up, but uh, this is it helps. This is a lot. This yeah. is a lot of fun. There, there are there's a number of movies I haven't caught up on yet, but yes, it's uh, like I am happier that I've certainly covered a lot of this stuff already, so I don't feel too overwhelmed by what I haven't seen yet, which is mainly like some international films and docs. I need to catch up on my docs because I do like watching. Docs. I I just give up on those. It's not that I don't want to see them. It's just that there's. <laughs> There's no time. I watched the Michael J. Fox one and I liked yeah. it. I don't know if I'm going to get to any others. I, have, any, have you seen, uh, have any of you seen the the mission? No, That's, I know the was, mission, but I haven't seen it yet. No. Okay. That was, that was a doc that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. It's on the, it's on, like, I try to prioritize ones based on like, wh- what do I think I'm going to get the most out of be instead of just like, I can look at Wikipedia and figure this out. Like I want to, that's what I try to base my doc viewing on, especially in, there's a few that are certainly stand out. So I'm like, I need to see that before time runs out. For but, sure. Well, thanks, Luke. Uh, Marcus, what have you seen recently? Uh, I've seen a bunch of movies, but I'll talk about two. Uh, uh, 
I'll just uh, when evil lurks, uh, Aaron knows that I saw that and I hated it. No, I'm just I didn't hate it, but uh, <laughs> I, I I guess I didn't find it as funny as as Aaron did. I think that was that's not the reaction I had. I, I do think it's genuinely unnerving. I just think there's also a dark comedic streak in there if you look think, like that's purposeful. I think there are things that we we both liked about the movie. I haven't read your review, but I, I, I there is um, the practical effects and and the actual like point of impact scares of this of this movie. Uh, 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 the idea of an infection or a, a possession being like an infection, like a virus is passed on to people. I thought that was really good um i i was expecting i don't know the tone of it was just really i feel like it was trying and it wanted to be sam raimi and it just never got there and and maybe that's what maybe i expected the wrong thing but i think that was the the kind of thing that took me out of it all right and um what else did i see oh i saw i saw good burger Two, good because I have thoughts on it also. The the, the sequel. Okay, so uh, I I think I, I think this happens a lot when when you um, look back on things that you found funny as a as a kid and that are absolutely just cringy now. Um, I think my obsession with with Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell is like one of those things. So when I went into this, I was hoping for some kind of like dark darker Why? like subversive because <laughs> everybody you, no no, no I'll, I'll give you because everybody every one of their fan base is like nearing their 40s like there's nobody that's into this type of humor anywhere they're just it just but what let me ask you what's just like just what not, no, what nostalgic retread have you seen that's like everyone's older now let's go darker and grittier with it? i would uh, well i would assume like something like uh barbie or um, even I know that the the original source is is kind of weird too, but Pee Wee Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure, um, something that's a little more not adult adult where like it's like rated R or anything, but just something that's that is a little bit more knowing. Like it, it just it's very aw- more aware of itself. This is the same old derpy screechy slapstick garbage. It's it's just like and it, and it's so specific to nineties culture that it's i feel like if a kid watched this they would be like man this is childish stuff i don't know like i get I, there are cameos in this that are okay from like nickelodeon has-beens and 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 there's a gag where Kel... it's pretty has-beens i mean they're people like, they're they are they're human people yes this is true. but they're, they're, uh they're Has-beens you know there are there's a gag in this where Kel like dresses like his kids and his kids you know that's a gag um and then uh, i mean they criticize automation and um and unfair labor practices, uh, but uh, d- don't let that fool you. It's, it doesn't make this movie any. Have you watched like, the original Good Burger bear. anytime? I have watched it when I was a child. Yes. No, no. Recently, I mean recently. No. Why would? It... Yeah, but like, okay. I, I, I see. Like, I feel like you think I'm about to like argue something against you in like some dramatic way, and I'm not. I, I'm just curious, like, where your ha- reference I, point is. I have not. I have not seen it in years, but I would assume it's the same stuff i i recently watched episodes of all that and it's it's similar right it's it's the tone it's the same kind of like loud screechy tone of 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 it all 
um that's very much of a bygone era so I, I don't know I, I haven't seen the disney stuff now i guess Maybe so i I, ha- I hadn't seen good burger in years until i watched it earlier this week to prepare for good burger too because i'm a good <laughs> critic and, and, um, <laughs> yes go on and so watching good burger a film that i never had much nostalgic love for because i'm not that person i'm not the person that's like hook was great i'm not that guy i think we know that on this show uh, by now for sure <laughs> Um, I so watching Good Burger again, I'm like, yeah, all right, that's the movie I thought it was. That's not to say I hate it, it's just more of like there's an innocence here that I can respect, but it's just not like a thing really that as far as what it's doing. I'm again, I'm not saying like it's a great movie, I don't think it's a very good movie, but I do think there's there's an innocence there that makes sense to me as far as why it's appealing. And the fact that it's only 80 minutes, that makes it more forgivable than a film like Hook, which is two and a half hours. That's terrible. Um, do you think people who were, are, 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 we're the same age, do you think people who are aged who grew up with all that, uh, Keenan and Cal, would watch this now as adults, as fully functioning adults, and go like, hey, I find some kind of entertainment in this. If I'm going to rely entirely on the that's way that's outside I, of an SNL skit, if that's I, elongated. If I'm going to rely on the the attitudes I see from friends I have and people I know that aren't in this business, mm-hmm. that you know watch films like this or Hook or Jumanji or, <laughs> or Three Ninjas or any number of things, and no. they and they have a they have a soft spot for it. Yes, I feel like that's still there because that's just it's a comfort food of some kind. Like, but this is there's no way because this one you is say the, there's even, no way. But even Marcus, the, even the pro- wrong, like even, all the movies even, they just all the movies they just named have like cult followings to them. Yes, but even this the, the production value here is terrible. I haven't talked about two yet. I'm talking about the first one. Oh, okay, 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 okay. All right, all right. So, so fair I, enough, fair enough. As I said, I watched I watched one in preparation, and I now I watched two. I watched mm-hmm. two with my lovely girlfriend for on Thanksgiving. Yes. And I will say, I'm not saying it's some kind of masterpiece, <laughs> but I do think it's an upgrade from the first one for specific reasons. Okay. One, I do think it still holds on to that kind of naivety, that sweetness, that like there's nothing mean spirited about this one, which I can respect, especially if you're a comedy. I think the fact that it's not mm-hmm. condescending or like wry, I think that works in its favor because it attracts both a newer audience that yeah is into juvenile humor and the older audience that wants to like doesn't have much aspirations for good work or two beyond just seeing more of that thing they liked when they were younger i think it accomplishes that well enough i also i would say compared to the first one i think this this is so much on good Burger too i do think that <laughs> i do think the, the script is honestly stronger than the first one um, okay i think the things you mentioned like automation and uh the, yeah uh, so those are my favorite I, parts compared to the first one which has nothing to go on beyond okay. what if we just stretch the skit out for 80 minutes i think this one actually has some things it wants to try and say at uh, the core of all this is keenan and kel are fun together i can't say that like they're not here I, they I, aren't here i think they are i think i think kel hasn't lost whatever that stupid touch is that he does where he can twist around words and stuff and like make it work in his favor again it's not like i'm saying this is a great movie can't wait to see it but if compared to like the eye roll that i had from the idea of good burger 2 existing even if mm-hmm. even if it is just a stream direct streaming release right i was more pleased than i expected to be by what it delivered okay that's that's where i'm at with good burger 2 <laughs> <laughs> i did okay all right i i got through it I got through it and I, and I thought the automation part was interesting. Um, 
you know, as far as far as being uh, in there in this movie that was by at that point, or the automation part came almost thirty minutes to the end of the movie, and you know, it's it. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there are people that were asked. You're right. There's people that were asking for this remake or this, it, it, this, this part two. And I just, I don't know. I, it just did nothing for me. Fair enough. <laughs> I, get, I, I get it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you're You're completely wrong about good burger too. <laughs> I just, I'll just say I had, a, I had a, a healthy smile on my face compared to the, we're still doing this, huh? The reaction that I had. To <laughs> oh my! And Little Rel, whatever. Little Rel doesn't, Howry. He doesn't get anything to do. Not much, no. I <sighs> and I like Little Rel. I like what he should. I do. He he he's yeah. He's good. But whatever. Anyway, right. those are the, those are the movies I saw. That's, that's the side episode of Good Burger <laughs> too that we definitely <laughs> didn't know we were going to do, but did. <laughs> I had the promotional burger at Comic Con. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. It was, all, it was all right. The whiskey cocktail based on Yellowstone was better. Okay, good to know. <laughs> One of us still has to go to Arby's to get the good burger meal that they have there. They have a good burger meal. They have oh, a good I'm burger, happy. a strawberry shake, and fries. Oh wow! At Arby's, not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> I've seen a few things that I'll make note of. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to do a next goal wins episode. Abe and I had planned to do that as a, like a mini episode last week and then things changed. Um, so I'll just mention that I did enjoy the movie. I, I think it, I, I think um, it fits in the kind of smaller zone of Taika Waititi films. And I feel like many people seem to rest like too much, like on what he's going to deliver with something like this, where I'm just thinking mm-hmm. this is like a throwback sports comedy. It's nothing special, but I think it, it was amusing enough for what it was doing. Um, I saw Disney's Wish, another film that we might do a bigger thing on, and boy, that's uh, <laughs> not, not a strong effort from Disney, to say the least, which is surprising, because Disney usually has a at least somewhat of a better handle on their stuff. Um, Did Lin-Manuel write the music? No, not? he wasn't available. No. So, it, it, and it feels like it. it feels oh, wow. Like it. And that's not even saying that Lin-Manuel songs are have been amazing for the Disney films that he's been involved with. Although some of them are certainly like the Moana songs, I think work pretty well, yeah. but um, well, we're going to get all those again on the remakes. So. Of course we are. Yeah. yeah we'll, <laughs> that's a whole nother topic. Um, but yeah, wish I uh, wished for something better. And um, let's see, to, yeah. to fill out the, to get a, a Jeffrey Wright, try a, a, a hat trick over here. I watched Rustin, which is not the star of uh, Coleman Domingo is the star, but he is, he does have a supporting role in it. Um, Rustin is uh, focused on a uh, one of the black civil rights leaders of the 60s, 70s era. And um, it's a net, straight to Netflix release. And Colin Domingo, very good in this movie. The movie itself, eh, it's, really? it's a little it. too by the numbers as a biopic for me to like have stronger thoughts on it. Um, <sighs> this is funny. In a side note, they have a guy playing um, Martin Luther King in this movie who's like a supporting character in the film. Yeah. There's been a lot of portrayals of Martin Luther King in film. And it's not as though I ask for all of them to look exactly like Martin Luther King. Well, this is a pretty sweaty representation of Martin Luther King, I have to say. <laughs> it kept sticking out to me as far as, like, I respect that you had to cast somebody, but, I mean, good. Was it, like, The Rock or something? Who plays Martin Luther King? It was Luther Kevin King? Hart, actually. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, what's his name? He was in, um... He was in that Wachowski show that was on Netflix. That's the one thing I can think of him from. Um, but it, yeah, it's not like a huge star, but um, 
it was someone was like, yeah, this is not the ideal casting. Also, Chris Rock has like a pretty significant supporting role in it too. And uh, this is not the movie that's going to get nominated for hairstyling and makeup based on the gray mustache and wig that he had to wear throughout the film. Oh, wow. <laughs> But again, Coleman Domingo, really good in it. I can't deny that. I like Coleman Domingo. I like seeing him in things. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's certainly a nice showcase for him. Um, but the movie itself, yeah, just a little bit too uh, too uh, regular uh, to to have more to go on. Um, I saw a few other things, but I'll skip those for now. We can just save, I could save those for another time because I'm going to be catching up on plenty of stuff uh, regardless. Um, actually, no, I'll mention one because I really liked it. The Eight, the eight Mountains. Um, oh, I wanted to. Yes, I want to see film's this. Really good. It's a slow oh. burn for sure, but it it focuses on two um, childhood friends. They grow up. They're in Italy. They have this kind of retreat area that they go to up in the mountains. That kind of sits as like a, a center point of their lives. Every time things happen, they kind of end up back there again. It's a g- amazing looking film. It looks spectacular. The cinematography is gorgeous. Um, just a really solid character drama about friendship and relationships and more that just and happens to have this like amazing backdrop so that's that's certainly one to uh check out if you can awesome Uh, yeah so that's it that's a that's a quick team thank you let's move on now let's get to our trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week when it's coming out what we thought of it what have you and this week we're talking night swim from director bryce mcguire based on his own short film um and so it's his debut as a feature film director it's from blumhouse it is starring uh, Wyatt Russell and Carrie Condon. It follows a family that moves into a new house, and there's some kind of supernatural presence in the backyard swimming pool. I hate when that happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Marcus, I'm so curious. Are you are you excited for night house night? Sorry, night swim. Well, I I can't swim, so I'm already terrified. But the trailer. Okay, so like the trailer is effective. Uh, I I saw the uh, the short, the original short. Oh, I should watch that. Was, which was good. It was effective. It was like three minutes. It's good. Oh, good. I like that's that's I like that with like lights out. I like short shorts like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. That get to the point quickly. <laughs> but I fear with stuff like that, it's like I know this movie is two hours almost, and so I'm kind of dreading what they have to do to make it two hours, and that's the only reason that I'm kind of disinterested in 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 this movie but the trailer from the trailer i i would i would see a movie but i saw that i did see the runtime was two hours and i'm just like why why i'm curious if that's final like if that's just like a it was on imdb i don't know i don't know i i I don't know if it's it's a final whatever but i'm just like even if it's i've come to think of it even if it's over an hour like what what could what is there an underwater world am i going to atlantis what what could possibly happen i don't know i i don't know luke how about you that's well, I think especially that's a pertinent worry for Blumhouse because Blumhouse movies do tend to pad things out. I think Five Nights at Freddy's was a little padded and a lot of them are just, you know, walking around a house where there's bumps in the night and then finally at the end you figure out what it is. I do think the trailer missed an opportunity to have a creepy version of R.E.M.'s Night Swimming on it. Um, <laughs> that's <I'll>... good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, when I heard about this, I heard it was about a killer swimming pool. So I was thinking we'd get something like Deathbed, the Bed. Deathbed, yeah. But... I want, but then there's yeah. like there's like a zombie in the pool or something. I the trailer doesn't quite give me a handle on what it is, so I'm sort of waiting for a second trailer. But I mean, I'm in. I'll watch it. I don't know if I'd pay for it if I had to, but I am hooked enough that when it inevitably 
comes to a screening room near me or a streamer near me, I will look at at least the first half hour. I, <laughs> I'm certainly intrigued just by nature of goofy premises like this, where there's a you know swimming pool with monsters in it or whatever the fuck. But <laughs> problem is, and like I, I don't, I don't want another trailer. To, I don't know. I don't want to watch another trailer because I just don't. I, I'm good with what I have to go on right now, mm -hmm. so I don't want. I, I want the movie to surprise me with whatever developments it has. But the issue I see right now is. If you're playing Marco Polo in a, in a pool like this, stop playing Marco Polo. Like that's my that's my immediately jump. I'm just like, why are we? Like, this 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 seems like an easy problem to solve. As far as get out, time to get out of the pool. Like, just, I mean, it's the Eddie Murphy rule about Amityville, basically. Yeah, leave you the know, house. Why don't white people just leave the house when there's a ghost in the house? Yeah, they can just they could just drain the pool and it'd be over. I, think, I don't right. know. <laughs> that, that's always that's why Abe and I love the first insidious because they move. That, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's always key for like why true. we love that movie. It's like they actually move. They actually yeah. leave the house. <laughs> a white couple no less. They figure it out. <laughs> they figured it out. <laughs> this movie, I like so far, I'm just like. Open your eyes. Like stop playing Marco Polo. <laughs> like it's time. <laughs> like it's, it's no one's forcing you to close your eyes. Um, I feel I feel like she might be vision impaired or something because she has her eyes kind of open. But I hope she's not hope, seeing stuff. I I you know me. If you're gonna give somebody like some kind of disability or what have you, such as my key example, of course, the rocket skyscraper, I'm all for that. Like <laughs> I, mean, I I am all for you know representation in in weird ways like what if the rock had one leg and it was also in a diehard movie <laughs> that is such a like, he's clinging to the edge with his leg yeah that is that is so, that is so that up my alley so it's like yeah, yeah okay if, if she's if she has vision impairment and she's also stuck in a swimming pool i'm down for that like that's fun to me but um did you guys see sweetheart no remind me what which it is that's the one where there's a woman who it's what's her name she's from uh uh, dope Kiersey Clemens or like I think it's like a like the plane crash or whatever and she's stuck like at an island by herself and there's a monster in the in the ocean I did not see that one but it's it sounds good, good. It's, it's good it's really good it's on Netflix it's from the oh my god the director did something he did slights that like mag, that street magic movie he did another thing afterwards so that's something that I think bombed <laughs> but I need to figure it out now so uh, a movie's about a, a monster in the ocean on an island, and it's called Sweetheart. That's really—it's a weird title. It's a it really doesn't seem to be selling the movie very well. Oh, he did Devotion. <laughs> That's what he did. He did that. He did Devotion last year. That's JD Dillard, director. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it's a weird title, but like it's a—it's a solid like stranded one person movie versus like the odds. Um, okay. And that and it's on Netflix. It's like eighty minutes. It's, that's a good watch. That's what I, I thought of with this because I'm like. Well, at least she's stuck at an island. Like I can see the danger there. This is like, girl, grunt, climb out of the pool. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I again, I look forward to seeing what else this movie has to offer, but <laughs> but it but it does like it. It's already landing on the realm of like silly Blumhouse as opposed to I don't know more serious Blumhouse. So <laughs> we'll see. But also, I mean, it's got Wyatt Russell and Carrie Condon also, which is like that's an odd pairing and an interesting like we signed on for a horror movie. So yeah, all right. I would argue, I would argue that Silly Blumhouse is the best Blumhouse, like Megan. <laughs> you know? No, I I agree with you. It, it's leaning on Silly Blumhouse. I'm just more I, I I'm curious like how far that goes for me. I I entirely agree that the serious Blumhouse outside of I don't know Get Out, like there's not many where they like really stand out in a way that's very very positive. Like what? Well, like Truth or Dare is like serious Blumhouse, and it's like why it's Truth or Dare. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But uh, let's see. Night Swim arrives in theaters January 5th next year, or as we call it, Insurrection Eve. I think that's the official date. Is that it? Uh, is that what we call it now? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so yeah. Night Swim coming soon. Good poster. I was like, you know, it's, it's obvious. Yeah. Watch, watch the, watch the, uh, the short. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I will watch the short. Yeah. It's good. It's effective. It, it's what you want out of a short, like nothing too long. No really ex like big whatever, but just really like visually whatever. And I'm just like, how are they going to make this two hours? I, I don't know. It just bothered me. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for Napoleon. I must warn you. I will not lead a second in command. I will win by fire. I am destined for greatness. I found the crown of France in the gutter and placed it atop my own head. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Napoleon. Throughout film history, we've seen various portrayals of Napoleon. This includes an unrealized version from Stanley Kubrick, which kind of became Barry Lyndon, but is also currently being developed as an HBO miniseries by Spielberg. Ridley Scott, no stranger to historical epics, has also decided to throw his hat into the ring for a Napoleon film with Joaquin Phoenix in mind for the star. And here we are with the theatrical release distributed by Sony and Apple. This version puts focus on Bonaparte's career from the French Revolution up and up to his eventual loss at Waterloo and his preceding exile. We also dive into his intense relationship with Josephine, played by Vanessa Kirby. We've heard from Ridley Scott himself that his he has a four-and-a-half-hour version of this film planned for release on Apple TV that should represent a full version of Scott's take on the subject. But for now, Luke, I'm so curious. What did you think of this big screen release of Napoleon? Well, first let me say, I'm always glad to be on the podcast, but I'm particularly glad to be on the podcast having a chance to talk about it now with some distance from it because my thinking has evolved since I saw this. Okay. And it's, I think it's great when I can sort of have that conversation in my head with a film, um, unless that makes me insane. I don't know. But I came out of it and I was like, yeah, entertaining enough. You know, I, I wasn't that excited by the idea of a Napoleon movie inherently. And my initial criticism of it came up when the Duke of Wellington calls Napoleon vermin, because that term happened to be in the news that week with, you know, people saying it was what Hitler and Mussolini said about you know the jewish people or whatever uh, and so i and i thought it was interesting that you know wellington is portrayed as this guy who is as repulsed by napoleon's bad manners as he is by his warmongering and i thought why is he being portrayed as an asshole for pointing that out when yeah you know boorish piggish leaders who are kind of funny are things we've kind of burned out on and the more i thought about it, the more i realized i think that's the point because i also the movie begins, you see all these peasants being blown apart by cannonballs and just innocent people being destroyed by all this war. Mm-hmm. And then the movie sort of lose tra- loses track of those innocent people. And there's more about Napoleon being intense, drinking and having nice meals while war is going on. And then at the end, I don't think it's spoiling to say they bring up statistics of his body count. And I thought, well, that came out of nowhere. And I think that was a deliberate misdirect. Like Ridley Scott is saying, this is this really entertaining leader haha isn't he funny to watch isn't he kind of goofy kind of populist don't you think he's just like you no actually he's not he's a rich elitist and he got all these people killed the end and i really kind of appreciate that in retrospect now Mm. well marcus let me go to you i'm curious what you think i I honestly thought i was going to be the only one that liked this movie 
okay, so I, when I walked out of this movie, I was absolutely fascinated with this film because it's 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 admittedly messy, um, but in retrospect, I, I think I, I did like Luke. I, I I thought about it and I had the conversations, uh, the totally sane conversations with myself. And it kind of reinforced my admiration for this movie as uh, just a really, really solid, uh, ambitious piece of work that I just kind of ate up. Um, I'm here for the unflattering portrait of Napoleon. I'm here for the focus being on uh, Josephine and Napoleon's uh, toxic, abusive, uh, unhinged uh, relationship that relationship even 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 more powerful because of of uh, 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 Phoenix and 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 Kirby's uh, willingness to take big swings, or Walking Phoenix and 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 Vanessa Kirby's willingness to take these big giant swings, re- resulting in this performance that is unhinged, but also like I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Yes, Ridley has this really d- d- quite specific story he wants to tell. And I think at once I understood the satirical framing that was happening, um, the entire kind of like bonkers tone of this thing, it just really got me in. It just really got me in. I I I, I was just completely invested. I would I'd, I'd rather see this than some kind of completely a thousand percent historically accurate uh, biopic snoozer. You know, I think that. Uh, uh, the weirder this got, the better it was for me. Um, Joaquin's choice to use his own non-accent uh, when everybody else is around him is using an accent, I was here for it. Um, I, I'd argue Ridley's everyone's. Or using their own okay, okay, everybody's using their own accent, but Joaquin's he's 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 stands the only out in the cast yeah. yes he stands out because he's the only american in the cast uh joaquin's clomping around uh neighing uh when he wants sex i was here for it um i know that there's a four hour uh like you said there's a four hour uh full cut of this director's cut of this that i feel like is 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 has to be great um but what i saw and it's probably going to be more balanced and 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 uh tie in some stuff like cohesively um to sell the connective tissue stuff but what i saw i enjoyed what i saw i think is award worthy this cut of it of it right here so i i really like this movie i think the choice to have him be the only american is a conscious choice because it's yeah, I, I could see it's that sort of, it's sort of putting the ugly American in the context of French culture in a way that we as American viewers can understand how he was coming across to the rest of the world in the same way that maybe certain American leaders have come across to the rest of the world more recently. And, you know, and as I, like I said, on my, as I said on my brief review on TikTok, it's it's otherwise set in the Chateau Picard region of France, where they're the most British French people of all times. <laughs> I, I should I will- also note, I am half English and half American, so I see that conflict sort of inherently in a lot of things. So, I I will note, like, I don't disagree that there's like a self conscious choice to have like one you know key American and that was the title character. I will say the the last duel did the same thing as far as having all the actors not adopt yes. a specific accent, but instead yeah. just use their natural you know voices. Yeah. Uh, and I and I think to the benefit of 
that film and i argue that in general i think accents in movies are ridiculous um because it doesn't make any sense to me if you're french and not speaking french why would you have a french accent that's just i would rather see what i saw here than what i saw in like gucci or something right you're right you're absolutely right i i mean i, I would I, I, because because it's also Ridley Scott. I would say Gucci. I think he's in on the joke of how ridiculous it is that everyone speaks the way they do in that film. I just don't okay. think Ridley Scott is a. That's like the only fun part about Gucci. It's it is. I, I think the, Take the, the problem. It's dull. The, the the problem is Ridley Scott's not like the guy to direct that movie. Like as well yes. made as it might be, I don't think he he's not like a Baz or like he he's not like an ugly excessive person. He's a person that That's knows. Fair. Con, he, you know, he, he can. He can assemble something really well, but that movie I think needed to be more garish in its style. Regardless, yeah. this movie, <laughs> um, and, which this and this what I'm about to say, I think still applies to Gucci and The Last Duel and like most of Ridley Scott's like third act output. I don't know what call you call this phase of his career, but like there's such a confidence on display in his movies now that I feel mm. like is easily recognizable compared to other elder statesman directors not all of them i think there's plenty that know what they're doing but it just feels like not not only is he assured in the choices he's making but it feels like he's almost flaunting it at you as far as like the choices he's going for how extreme he wants to take certain things what kind of humor he wants to present in the midst of something that could otherwise be taken very seriously the casting Mm -hmm. choices the the way he edits his films like i think that all feels very much on display here and this is a film that i would say i merely like a lot as opposed to really loving because i do feel like it's a movie that would definitely benefit from whatever the longer version is it would probably even pay play better at a at a pace as pacing wise where i thought i don't think this is a jarring two and a half hours but i do think a more balanced film would be able to kind of round out the stuff that i was latching onto, which is a lot of what you've you've both already mentioned as far as joaquin phoenix's performance what kirby's doing here what the other characters reactions to what Phoenix are like, I think all that stuff, I think there's gaps that could be filled in a little bit more cleanly in a film that has like the full breadth uh, of what Scott and, and uh, David, uh, David Scarpa, the screenwriter Fair. were going for with this. That said, I still like this movie. <laughs> I think yeah. this is, it's another, like the prospects of Ridley Scott doing an epic, are you know the chance of me liking it are fairly high given that i think his epics tend to be really good um mm-hmm. you know a couple exceptions aside maybe i i really like what he does when he's like let me just go big with a historical drama and here he's got like all the resources he needs to make a giant splashy napoleon movie and we're not even seeing the full version of it yet <laughs> so right. it's kind of nuts in that regard um as uh, as you guys already mentioned i think joaquin phoenix is He's making choices here that I think really reflect well on what kind of a ridiculous person Napoleon Bonaparte was. Yes. Um, I I absolutely am into a film that is less about celebrating Napoleon and more about yeah. presenting him as he, you know, it's hard to say how he actually was, but more of what that legacy really looks like when you put it under a microscope to some degree. And it's yeah. like that this is this makes a lot of sense and yes you can see a side of him that's like oh yeah he's doing it for france or whatnot but then you also see like well no there's clearly other things underwriting it or what's actually at play here i like the i like being able to think about that and think about what um what kind of investment um this script has and joaquin phoenix has in in bringing this to life and at the same time 
I like that it's like able to intertwine this relationship with with, uh, with Josephine in here to mm-hmm. such an extreme where regardless of how it actually might have been when it, when considering his relationship with Josephine versus like what he was as a leader or whatnot. I like this film posits the idea that she was he was so intensely in, in like obsessed with her that it would have an effect detrimental or not on how he went on to lead and do what he did as emperor of, of France. Like there's, there's a lot there that I thought was like compared to the, you know, birth to death version of Napoleon. This mm-hmm. one, I think cuts to the chase in an interesting way through his career uh, and like finds a lot of just interesting avenues to explore. So no, I, I was, I, I quite enjoyed Napoleon. Um, and we even, we haven't even really talked about how funny this movie is yet. But, um, right. It uh it worked for me for sure. Do do you have uh because I I do I haven't seen a lot of like reviews on this, but some of the more kind of eh, uh just uh, you know whatever better than this review kind of uh reviews that I've seen are like oh this is the inaccuracies are are all over the place and he's 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 shooting cannons at the pyramids and this and that and the other thing uh does that bother i it did it did, really didn't bother me i i'm not a historian by any stretch of the means i know a little bit about napoleonic wars you know whatever but i'm not thinking about rome every day and whatnot or whatever everybody's talking about you well, know i was thinking about rome i don't know, what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. you know what i'm saying so, but it doesn't really bother me. In fact, I'd rather see somebody's vision, especially somebody like Ridley Scott, who has a specific vision of like, this is what I'm going to do with this character. I'm going to take this character. I'm going to do whatever I want with them. I'd rather see that than see something. If um, if Ken Burns wants to make an eight hour exercise and exploring exactly who Napoleon was and really go over the details or whatnot, I'm all for that. And that's fun to see. If I want to watch Ridley Scott make a movie on Napoleon, I want to see his take on Napoleon. So I agree. Yeah. I'm I'm all for okay. a movie that obviously you know it doesn't need to go, you know it's not if Alien showed up and be like these are who really Napoleon inspired like whatever <laughs> but like if we're watching if we're watching a a take that's focused on the character of this guy and what that is and I wouldn't even say loosely I still think it mostly adheres to the history of Napoleon but if it has its own take that yes has to play a little bit fast and loose sometimes. I'm not against that if I'm still getting the essence of what Scott's going for. And I think right. that's what the film's presenting. All right. Awesome. Well, I, had a, I had a commenter on just a more minor issue say, I don't want to see an actor in his 50s playing a character who was in his 20s and 30s for most of the movie. And I was just sort of like, that's fair, but I don't think this movie's going for accuracy. It's going for right. giving us the sort of reaction that Napoleon would have had in his time with uh, modern effects to elicit that sort of reaction in a moviegoer so it's all kind of subjective and certainly reality doesn't look like a ridley scott film and I, yeah. right it's very much looked like a ridley scott film all the flying snow all the you know horses cracking through the ice and stuff it's no it's far more spectacular and grand than i bet any real life war actually looked like but no i i think this movie is going for making certain kinds of points that work with a a 50 year old guy in the role also if you're going to do him up until the point where he's 50 and dies i'd rather see one guy being the same than recasting twice or doing cg facelifts you don't you don't want to see timothy chalamet and make an old man makeup 
<laughs> well, it depends on the movie. Yeah, fair uh, enough, yes. But not for Napoleon so much. Although, you know, let a thousand flowers bloom. If he wants to do a movie as old man Napoleon, go for it. Yeah, the second I said that out loud, I'm like, actually, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my, like, my go-to was already, and I mentioned it to A plenty of times, it's always Deathly Hallows Part 2 when I see the end and it's just all of them playing dress up as older people <laughs> like, eh, i didn't need this <laughs> that's just that's where i'm at with those things um regardless um i i think we've all <laughs> determined yes I, I think we're happy with the presentation of napoleon here yeah. uh, with that in mind marcus you brought up and luke you brought up a certain thing about the, the look of this movie and whatnot yes it very much feels like a ridley scott film i want to lean on the battle side of things for a second because um mm. Uh, they look great. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, um, they're fucking brutal, which I really yeah. appreciated too. There's a shot where like a horse gets exploded and I'm like, well, that's violent. And, right. and, that, and that, that reminded me of like, oh yeah, that's right. This is an already Ridley Scott movie, not just like a CG Army's battle movie. So it's like, yeah, things get pretty uh, pretty vicious as we're watching stuff. I mean, oh, the, yeah. the, opening the opening credit sequence is, uh, I won't talk exactly about what happens, but uh, we, we track a certain character and see the see their demise quite vividly uh, right. in a way that I wasn't necessarily thinking Napoleon's definitely going to start this way. Uh, so like there's stuff like that throughout, but the, the battle specifically, I it's Ridley Scott's not new to making battles of large groups, you know, large hordes at attacking each other. But boy, did he find a way to like make some unique choices as to how to depict certain battles in this movie. There's a the heavily promoted one is this big ice battle where they're like on a frozen lake and there's cannonballs firing at the lake and it's really fun to watch. It it's still fun to watch in a theater in the full effect. I was really happy with that. There's different degrees of battles in terms of like like you mentioned the peasant stuff that's happening. There's a mm -hmm. there's an early like battle to like uh, take command of a certain area so they can like bomb some boats. There's just stuff throughout this that, like, I would classify this as like an action-packed thrill ride, but I do think the one it gets to the action, it's really handled well. Well, they kept each battle to basically one scene, one key scene from each yeah. battle, which <laughs> I appreciate because reading up on Kubrick and how he was going to make it all about showing the tactics and the troop movements, I was like, I'm not sure I want to see that movie, but this movie went down easier. I'm sure if Kubrick had made it, I would have liked it, but what he was talking about doing was less interesting to me than. Right. Ridley's movie was entertaining. I can understand that. And, I, th mm -hmm. I think there, there. I, I, what I liked about the battle sequences in particular uh, uh, was that I think we got the gist of it because going into to you, everybody knows that Napoleon is supposed to be this uh, this military genius, and we we got the gist of kind of like the tactics used, and I, I think that's all I wanted. Going to Luke's point, like I didn't need to see any kind of layout, any kind of blueprint, any kind of anything like that. I just, you know, and with the scope of something like this that was so big, I feel like it could have gotten a little muddled, but I was like, okay, these guys are flanking off the right and these guys are flanking, and this is how he won. And this is, and it was really like, I never questioned anything. And I think that goes to uh, Ridley's really, uh, uh, his vision, his really, really focused vision on just get this, this done. We're going to, we're going to do this in, in uh, uh, one battle per sequence or whatever and this is how we're going to do it and it's all going to make sense I, I agree with you because it's if you're going to present a man who oftentimes looks and sounds ridiculous it is important to show us well why is he the why did he become the emperor of france like what right. what has he done that's made it, it's like well this, this these battles that he's proving himself as far as he's clearly gifted in this this form of attack or what have you or warfare 
and I, I I do appreciate the movie finds a way to like thread that needle as far as giving you reasons to respect what he's good at. Watch the four and a half hour version; be all about the planning we're talking about. That's that's what it is. <laughs> well, it's gonna be two hours of him swimming in a pool that kills people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. We've talked a lot about Phoenix. Talk about Vanessa Kirby a bit, who's you know Josephine. Uh, yes. Did you did you guys appreciate this performance? Yeah, yes. I, I I love when he's when he's trying to impregnate her. She's just looking bored. I'm like, get on with it. Um, I think the Foley effects guy probably had a field day that day. <laughs> no, I I I think she does. I I feel like uh that character is really um difficult character to work off of especially because um i i know that napoleon's mom is in this but i don't know if she's outwardly mentioned other than the 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 section i think that's her his mom right when he's going to impregnate that other the other woman to test she's out been, she's mentioned and brought up a few times like she's I, but i know yeah. it sounds like i know more about napoleon than i should but like he's she's such a huge figure in his life and this is supposed to lead into why he 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 uh, interacts with Vanessa in, in that way but without that aspect I feel like Vanessa had a lot of I got the gist of, of why he acts the way he does off of her performance so I think she had a, she had, she, she had a, a kind of a tougher job to do to kind of play off of somebody who's like such a manic performance and and with her own manic performance which yeah I I, I really enjoyed it I would agree. I think it's the more challenging part, and I think it might be the more effective role. I mean, despite the fact he's Napoleon, he's on the screen for most of pretty much every scene in the movie. I do think that she has to play different shades without necessarily letting on what she's doing in every scene, where Napoleon is pretty, pretty upfront with the kind of person he is, where she has to play someone that's been like a survivor, someone that could be a sure. temptress to a degree, someone that knows what she wants and is able to get what she wants despite maybe playing into what others expect of her. I think there's a lot of layers there that can conv- I think it convinces the viewer as to why Napoleon feels like it's so necessary to ha- like try to control her even though he can't. Um right. that's I think that that, that really informs the that film the, the relationship that's going on here as well as like the drive of what this film has which is important for, right you know <laughs> giving us more perspective on why napoleon's making certain choices read now the film is fairly centered on napoleon and and josephine are there were there any other standouts care like you know there there is a there is a cast here but like from my perspective i couldn't say like uh rupert everett or tahar rahim necessarily stood out to me in like a significant way but are am I, do you guys differ is there anyone else that kind of who, stood out in this film who played? i think everett stands out of wellington um absolutely oh, but he's yes. not in it that much yeah i think it's, it's more the third act is more focused on yeah. that's that whole section and yes it's so like there's more of him for sure but um yeah. i mean the horse that caught the cannonball in the gut is a scene stealer so yeah. I don't know if it's not animal actors <laughs> but uh marcus did you have a question no, no, no. I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask who that actor was, but oh, yeah. Um, yeah. there was a, there was an actor that uh, I, I don't know his name, but he was the initial. Um, he was uh, when, when, in the initial scene when that person, that person is talking, and everybody like mobs him. Oh, okay. I don't know who that was, but I think that that guy did a good job. 
there's a lot of like little bit parts here that that people are on screen for two three seconds at a time is that robespierre is that the, luke what were you saying yeah i think it, robespierre is yeah the one who kills himself or at least tries to kill himself. yeah he tries to kill himself but i yeah, think I, that was i was like oh that's that's good i like this guy. yeah i can't some look i'm trying to look to see who played him i can't find I it like, the, i was just thinking the guy who played the ambassador was who kept trying to sort of you know forcefully mm. neg- forcefully negotiate with other countries he was pretty good i forget who that was yeah i mean the film is it, you know it's it's built up a lot of character actors and that's not to say like i you know it's not worth like finding the names or what have you but like i i can appreciate that really scott found like a, an ensemble cast that really seems to suit what's necessary for those roles as opposed to you know stunt casting or what have you right um and i and yeah no i because i like in trying to write the review for this film, I, I kept thinking about these different characters that like had an impact, but I wouldn't necessarily say like, and their face is one I'm going to remember specifically because of that person. It's more like, oh, it's just well cast. It's just good casting in the, right. some of these roles. And even Everett isn't that recognizable. I don't know because I, I, I know who it was if I hadn't seen the name. Well, I, yeah, because I knew he was in the cast and I'm looking from the from that opening credit sequence and, um, <laughs> and I'm like, well, that has to be him. But yes, he's certainly, you know, He's aged a bit since my best friend's wedding, and he's certainly, you know, in you know, in the garb and the makeup of the time to portray this duke. So right. it's like, yeah, that's it's a it's a big step <laughs> as far as like what I'm normally used to to seeing him look like. But I I think uh, the the person who played uh, Marie Antoinette for all of three seconds in a non speaking role did great. I was just, yeah, I was very. Uh, I felt it like I was like, oh, wow, OK, all that she has to do is go to the thing and the, do the thing and whatever. But I was like, oh, wow, OK, it's emoting. <laughs> Very good. Very good job. But yeah, it, yeah, that was the initial uh, person that that needs to get you into the the feel of the movie, the kind of the, the sure. whatever the movie. And she did a good job. Um, I've referenced the fact that this film is funny or humorous at least in its own way uh yeah. did you guys respond to the the comedy in this film luke did you did you find yourself laughing um in yes and i think i think uh, a lot of the reviews that don't like it are reviews that don't think it's supposed to be funny and think that that's accidental yeah. camp which i don't believe no is. I, there's no I way think, i think it's it's very clear that these are choices and that you know napoleon is kind of is you know as I said, he's this vulgar character, and he's impulsive, and he wants what he wants immediately. And there's there's a you know a childish humor inherent to that. It's just that the stakes are so so high that uh, it becomes kind of a scary thing when you are suddenly reminded of the body count at the end that right. this was the guy who was who was in charge of that. But uh, and you know Joaquin being kind of primal, he's he's kind of got this young Brando thing where he's just really good at doing these believable reactions. I think he does them slightly better in Bo is Afraid, but... Bo is Afraid certainly leans on that more also. Yeah. You don't you don't really see him as much... You don't really see him sort of thinking on the wheels turning behind his eyes. You see him making a decision and, you know, like in an improv troupe, saying yes to the information and yes, and yes, and I'm going to do this. Yes, and I'm going to do this. I'm just yeah. That's that's all of inherent vice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is true. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, I look. I agree with you. I mean, it's no, it's no Golden Globe nominee for best comedy, The Martian, but I do think the movie has a sense of humor <laughs> to it. Um, that that um, 
uh, reflects well on, again, what I consider to be such a ridiculous person. I, like knowing yeah. as much as I know about Napoleon, the, 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 the fact that he got as far as he did in his life always astounds me because I like read up, uh, I've read up on so many different like antics <laughs> that he seems to be involved in, in addition to the, like, you know, the, the, the military victories he's had. And it's like, this guy, <laughs> this, yeah. is, this, this guy did all this. And then watch, oh, so watching, watching the uh, Phoenix, like do what he's doing here. I mean, yes, you can take, you can like see he's like taking this seriously as a character and you can see the film like playing with that. I mean, there's a sequence where he basically like, he tries to reason with people and then he juts out the room, falls down some stairs and is like leaning against a door to like try to inspire troops yeah. in dialogue. And it's like, this is fucking Three Stooges shit right here. Like, yeah. this is so like ridiculous. <laughs> this is There's so that funny. sequence where he says, you think you're so great because you have ships. Yeah. I said, oh, that's good. That's funny. And he just yeah. does it. You think you're so great because you have both. There is some great dry line readings for sure. It, combined with just his physicality. Like, the, like Joaquin yeah. Phoenix is not a small man. Um, neither was Napoleon. Um, he was right. of average height, but like, like Curtis, how Joaquin Phoenix, like he's he seems like he can be imposing if he wants to be. Um, and the fact that he's able to kind of play that down to someone that can easily be sniveling if he wanted to, but like has to like modify that, I think works well in the film's favor as far as giving you, again, this silly person. And a lot of these guys, you know, Hitler is another one. They were kind of infantile and had these childish senses of humor behind closed doors while they were tyrants outside of it so it, it's it really sort of captures that aspect in a way that i think a lot of movies don't want to reckon with that weird sort of side where they're still they still sort of act like children when nobody's looking or when they think nobody's looking for sure and i mean yes if you want to talk about like the criticism to give this movie yes it does feel and that's not to say that you know all criticism is wrong and we're the only ones that are right or whatever you subjective take subjective take but as far as the idea of commenting on the comedy as far as being possibly unintended or what have you it's like have you guys been tracking ridley scott movies like he like he yeah for one true. thing his interviews are always dryly funny. He has a great sense of humor about himself, but like that's laced in so many of his, like the last duel is when you get to that actual duel, it is brutal leading up to that though. There are some comedic bits that are killer between like Damon and Affleck and Th driver and Affleck. And like there's things throughout there that just are like very fun. House of Gucci is obviously aiming for like something regardless of how well that movie works. The, I don't have to mention about the Martian. The counselor has, an all-timer scene with what with Javier Bardem describing things true. his wife does. I mean, like this there's true. there's just nonsense stuff in so many of his films. Um, hell, Liam Neeson shows up in Kingdom of Heaven just to like do a tight five before he takes off. I mean, there's there's a lot of comedy that's very obvious that really Scott knows how to lean into in so many of his films. I, I think it, it sort of speaks to the danger of assuming intent on the part of the director. Just say how the movie works for you, whether it works, and don't. Try to sometimes just trying to think too hard about what the director meant is is not is just not a path to go down. What it meant to you is more important. For sure, and uh, like Mark, as you mentioned early on, like that the film does what it needs to to kind of stay out of being like stodgy biopic, and yeah. that's very much what I like about. It's what I get excited about with Ridley Scott films. For one thing, is like I know that I'm not going to get the stodgy biopic. I'm going to get something that's yeah. more interesting. But that certainly works for a film like this, which has again you know a nonsense guy at the center of it all like you know it's right. it's not it's not like one of his worst movies 1492 with columbus where there's not 
there, there's nothing there beyond here's what happened then. And I right. think Scott's become a better film, even though he <laughs> before those films he made two of the best films ever made. Uh, but but that, <laughs> as far as as far as getting into like historical epic zone this is like such a more accomplished version of what he is doing with that kind of material now compared to something earlier on in his career. And I, I think it's, yeah, as, right you, mm-hmm. as you were saying before, this is just, this shows how confident For that sure. he is exactly. in, in, yeah. in, even if he's just going to do it, he's just going to do it. Mm-hmm. So, and you can tell that he's in, 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 if he gets any pushback, he's just going to do it more. It makes me matter about alien covenant. That should have been so much better. I, I agree. Like it's film that I, I more and more come around to for the stuff that really works in it, but there's so much that feels like I'm accommodating because Fox wants me to do certain things <laughs> that annoys me about it. And then ideally you think, well, I did that. So at least I can make this third one to kind of round out this David trilogy I wanted to make. And we're not going to get to see that movie. So that's, that's well, not from him. I mean, they could still do it with someone else. I sure. guess. But I mean, but... Fede Alvarez has already made, alien romulus or whatever right that comes out next year <laughs> like it's <laughs> and, it, and like what he made that robot series on on uh on max right the um what's its face what's it called oh yeah raised by wolves raised by I wolves heard, which i heard it was good i never got a, never i enjoyed got a what i saw i saw the first season i watched like i think part of the second i just didn't finish it but i i feel like that's doing like the the stuff that he seems interested in in both alien alien those alien um prequels as well as I mean, to an extent, Blade Runner, as far as his involvement in that movie in, in 2049 goes, I feel like that's what Raised by Wolves is like. That's the itch he's scratching with that. And whether or not we actually, sense, yeah. Yeah, whether or not we ever actually get like a final comeuppance for like what he really intended with specifically the alien universe, he certainly, you know, he did what he wanted. I feel like he he got a lot of that out of his system as far as. It, I don't know. You know, he's, he's 85 and he's still like, yeah, I got, I'm not going to stop making movies. So we'll see what <laughs> happens if he wants to keep going down the sci fi rabbit hole. Um, maybe if Denny Villain, who we've so wrapped up in Dune now, Ridley Scott could be like, I'll keep going with Blade Runner if Warner Brothers wants to give me money to make another expensive movie that will flop. Um, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it'll be TV. TV, where if anything, is how Blade Runner is going to go. How there's not already like an announced TV show is beyond me. That seems like yeah, there was there was an an animated one. The animated show, yeah, that's true. You're right. Back to this movie. I'm curious. The movie cost I don't know two hundred million dollars. One of one of those checks that you write that's very easy to come across. Um, (laughs) One of those. Apple's got a lot of money. We should give them a lot of money for this. I'm curious. Did you guys have any thoughts on like? the look of this film as far as its production it's like its aesthetics its visual effects did anything stand out as being better handled than you may have expected or even or maybe maybe even coming up short in some ways well i go back to the cannons and the way they blow the peasants apart it's the first time in a movie i've really seen you know the damage cannons can do and even though it's obviously a little bit digitally enhanced i think it gives you a sense of what these "Quote unquote Napoleonic battles with cannons actually did to the masses, so that's right. that's a point. Other than that, I think the look is just sort of general Ridley Scottishness, <laughs> so to speak, um, and you can tell. Um, and yeah, he has a Darius but, Worski as a cinematographer, who I believe has done a few of his films at this point. And it's it's hard to say all the money's on the screen because there's two hours that aren't on the screen yet, so I'm sure <laughs> right. more of the money will be on the screen when that happens. But right. uh, yeah. Mark yeah, I, I I would I would agree with that. I I I think the battle sequences looked fantastic, uh, as fantastic as the 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 smaller 
that the canon sequence sequence we're talking about here, where it blows uh, people away, and we see a little bit of uh, closer perspective. I think they look very similar, and I think that's hard to do uh, in in or it, maybe it's not often. Maybe one of those things is 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 lacking. Maybe when the, there's close-ups, they they have really uh, it looks really effective, but on far away it looks kind of like yeah whatever un, unrendered or whatever mm-hmm. um but here it all looked really really solid so i'm hoping that the, the rest of the the movie that comes out when does it come out it's on apple or something he's gonna yeah, whenever it. it finishes its theatrical run is around the time when it's supposed to and if ridley scott is attempting to like get this done in time for like award season for like you know further bodies to see the full extent of his production i assume he'd want to come, have it come out you know sooner rather than later right yeah, so I, I, I assume that's all going to look great, too. Um, but yeah, it just it looked great. It looked great. I, I think it helps that Ridley Scott's one of our like premier R-rated filmmakers. Okay. Like, it, like, I think what like The Martian and I guess Exodus are probably like his last like PG-13. But, you know, outside of outside of like certain things, what I'm saying is because I think he's allowed, you know, he allows himself to indulge in really getting into the grid of it all you don't have a lot of compromises made when it comes to those battle sequences. So if he's given the means to do certain things, such as having cannons blow people apart or whatnot, he doesn't have to make concessions for how to make that work for a, you know, a certain audience. He can instead just be like, yeah, sure. I, whatever, let's do it. Let's go, let's go to town. And that benefits honestly, honestly, you know, it's not, not that I'm like, if we make Napoleon, it definitely has to be R rated, but the fact that it is means that there's a certain level of freedom there that otherwise might render some of the battles less effective perhaps or what have you well so i think with the mpaa you sort of might get a bit of a historical edu slash educational pass for some of the gore that you wouldn't get if it was a completely fictional battle set in the present day yeah i agree I, and i think that you know you, you see certain and we see less of them now but like you know you got to that like mid like after lord of the rings you got that that kind of era where you had alexander and troy and certain films which are all r-rated but like they're there's something about the way scott's able to do it that i think really just fits in ways that are effective yeah yeah any other thoughts on uh napoleon uh we I, you know we certainly mentioned that are you luke did we, are you excited for like the longer cut of this movie um actually not as much as you guys seem to be i am content with this i am content with this version uh i will probably watch the longer version if i can find the time but i like the i kind of like the fact that it's a highlight reel so to speak i okay. i don't i don't know that i'll necessarily prefer the longer version although ridley scott's longer versions do tend to be better yeah i'm a guy that where i i put kingdom of heaven as my third favorite Ridley Scott movie. So it's like, yeah. well, <laughs> I can't not think that the, 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 uh, the intended for you of that he had of this, of this film would, you know, ideally generate like something super strong. And as I said, I, I already think I, I, I just like this movie a lot as opposed to really, really digging into it. I just feel like there's, it feels more evident to me than normal that this, that there's like another take that has slightly more to do um than the than the current version as it exists that's me that's another thing yeah no fair uh, like i said before uh what i saw uh this two hour and 38 minute uh runtime movie uh, uh what i saw was was great was really great i think this is award worthy this was a just was just it really impacted me i i'm i'm really looking forward to the four hour 
because I want to see what uh, uh, what he really his full thought, I guess. But this, I'm I'm happy with this as well. All right. Um, with that, if there's nothing else to say, but a point at this time. Although I would invite any thoughts when we actually, if if we do have a chance to, if we do have a chance to reconvene when the, when the director's cut comes out, I'll be, I'll be curious if we have any digital thought. We'll see. I'll see what we can do if we can schedule us again to make all this work because I'd be curious. Um, but with with that said, this movie is currently out in theaters uh, and IMAX. And actually, what did it do this weekend? It uh, it didn't do bad, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for an R-rated Napoleon movie. Yeah, it made twenty million over the weekend, thirty-two for the like Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, for a movie that's you know basically covered because of Apple, so it makes it one of those kind of weird releases, along with Killers of the Flower Moon, where like the box office is kind of it's like cool, it made money, but like it kind of paid for itself in its own way, which is a right. weird way to think about things. Still, with all that said, it beat Disney's Wish at the box office, <laughs> so like that's... people wanted to see it, which is just something, but. As I'm saying, this movie's currently in theaters and IMAX. When should people go and see this movie? Luke, when should people see this film? Um, I think they should try seeing it in IMAX. I didn't get to. I saw it on the big screen of the DGA, which was close. Um, but yeah, try to just go whole hog and see it on the biggest screen possible while it's on that biggest screen possible. Marcus, how about you? Um, yeah, I saw it in a, in a in a Dolby theater, and I don't regret it. So yeah, see it at the biggest screen, best sound system possible. Yeah, I was certainly happy to get the full experience as far as you know audio and video is concerned, which was like an IMAX press screening. It's like, cool, all right, I'm into that. And it looks and sounds fantastic. I, I would say see it in a the theater. I would say, you know, the it's weird because I'm like, I have like a weird asterisk on this film as far as I, I'm looking forward to what the other version has, but like I, I wouldn't say not see this. I think it's certainly good. So yes, I would say see it in a the theater just so like if there's at least some point you get to experience where Scott's Scott's Napoleon, you got to see it on a big screen. That said, I'm definitely looking forward to the the Apple only <laughs> four and a half hour version that's going to come out eventually too. Um, all right. Well, with all that said, we've reviewed Napoleon. Let's move on now. Let's get to uh, what uh, what time is it over? Oh, it looks like it's time for uh, games. Oh. <laughs> that of course was the improv theme for games. And boy, do I have a game for you guys this week. It is called Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. This sounds impossible. I was happy with that title. What I have for you is a series of films all featuring emperors or grand leaders of some kind. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you their side of the story. And you have to tell me what film I'm referring to. If you can name the emperor in question, bone, you know, good on you. That's a fun doesn't count for the game but you know good bonus point so i'm going to read a first person perspective of what the what the list leader is going through and you have to tell me what movie this is from buzz with your name if you think you know the answer okay okay uh, here's, the, here's the first luther king here's the first one it's gonna be you know here's the first one i'm trying to create a space station of great power while also seducing the son of my apprentice to the dark side luke luke no. Uh, Star Wars Emperor Palpatine. I, I I need you to specify a certain film. Return of the Jedi. That's correct. Okay, you're on the board. There you go. Got one. I wonder who's gonna win this. Here's here's the next one. I'm a bit of an arrogant guy, but I've been betrayed by the old woman I trust most and turned into some sort of animal. Now I have to team up with a peasant to get back to her, to get back at her and restore myself. Uh, Luke. Luke. Is this Lady Hawk? No, incorrect. 
Marcus for the steal. I'm going to read it again. Read, read it again. Read I'm it. a bit of an arrogant guy, but I've been betrayed by the old woman I trust most and turned into some sort of animal. Now I have to team up with a peasant to get back at her and restore myself. Oh, I know what it is. Uh, Did I buzz in or let Marcus steal? You, you've you've missed your chance, but you can still, okay. if Marcus doesn't get it, I'll still let you. I don't know what this is. Luke, what is it? It's the Emperor's New Groove. It is the go. Emperor's New Groove. That is true. What? Okay. Th- these don't have to be real people? No, it's just, it's movies. It's a movie game. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a, right. it's a movie podcast. So like a historical, okay. All this right, is a film right. podcast, Marcus. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you for reminding me. Here's the next one. My dad didn't love me enough, so I killed him and attempted to kill his favorite general so I could lead all of the Empire myself. My dad huh. didn't love me enough. What, Luke? I'm thinking there are a bunch this could be. I'm My dad to... didn't love me enough, so I killed him and attempted to kill his favorite general so I could lead all of the Empire myself. This was the easy one. <laughs> I killed him and attempted to kill his favorite general. This is a film closely related to a film we just talked about. Based on the director and star. <laughs> uh, pass. He's I know a what... Best Picture winner. What? Kill his dad, tried to kill his favorite, yeah. The Emperor I'm referring to was nominated for this performance. There are people I'm, screaming at their iPods, I swear. I have no idea. Okay, the answer is Gladiator. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> this is oh, uh, what? Comics. Oh, yeah, okay. Gladiator. Right. Okay. I just hate that movie. So I'm trying to block it from my psyche. I was killed thinking his, Star Wars again. <laughs> killed his father. Tried to kill his favorite general. Is this, is this over? Yeah. Oh, there's 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 seven. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, yes. I was wrong. There's eight more. Of course, yes. While I was the founder of the, the Qin Dynasty, my jealousy led to me and my soldiers being cursed and turned into the Terracotta Army. Oh, Luke. Luke? Uh, the mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. That is correct. Wow. Gently. <laughs> oh, boy. Here's the next one. My primary function is to take down this space ranger, but during my battles, I revealed I'm actually his father, and I really just want to play a game of catch. Oh, um, Luke. Luke? Uh, it's Emperor Zerg in Toy Story 2. That is correct. All right, just tell me when the game starts. <laughs> Here's the next one. <laughs> I have a lot of say over the universe, and I decided to put a royal family in charge of a mining operation, knowing they are rivals to the obviously sinister family currently in charge. I figure it'll all work itself out. Uh, Luke. Luke? Is that Dune? That is Dune. That is correct. Emperor Harkonnen. Oh, no. Emperor shot him. Sorry. It's the, yeah, the, it, I'm afraid to, to lynch his Dune <laughs> since it has the oh. full story. <laughs> Here's the next one. Thanks to some nifty technology, I could transport beings all over the universe. I'm also reliant on a new host body, so I figured, why not an adolescent boy? Read it again. Thanks to some nifty technology, I could transport <laughs> beings all over the universe. I'm also reliant on a new host body, so I figured, why not an adolescent boy? I, I will say the Emperor is played by a famously androgynous actor. Okay, Luke. Luke? Is it Stargate? It is Stargate. With um, Keep going. With what? <laughs> What's it say? Jay Davidson is a yeah. raw in that film. Here's the next one. 
I don't get out much, but I have representatives who wear an amulet with my emblem. I don't really have a name, but this kid did start calling me Moonchild. Oh, I know this one. Luke. Luke. Never-ending story. That is the never-ending story, yes. Uh, here's a few more. Here we go. Here's one. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I had an army who said they took care of a warlord, only for he and his men to show up and nearly ruin his celebration. Then some warrior, who was apparently not a man, shows up to stop this guy, so I invited her to have a seat on the royal council, but she denied it. But she accepted my crest and a sword. Uh, Luke. Luke. Is it Mulan? Mulan is the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I believe in you, Marcus. There's two more. Uh, you shouldn't. Please there's do not. There's two more. Uh, I'm trying to answer really slowly if you want to jump in. Here's, here's, no, there's... don't. No, 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 no. Just two, get this over with. Two please. more. Here we go. Here's, here's, one. here's one. Here's one. Here's one. My father was a jerk and he banished me, but he died. So I became king. Then I figured it was a good time to, as any to take over all the lands around me, which included Persia, in a long campaign across Asia. What I didn't see coming, however, was elephants. Those things were huge. By the way, probably bisexual. What? The <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably bisexual part is the biggest hint here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, not for me, because I'm just get, get it over with, Luke. Okay. Good morning for you. Alexander. Alexander is the correct answer. Oh. Last one. <laughs> Last one. I thought a contest among warriors would be the easy way for me to take control of Earth, but my shape-shifting captain dead, I guess I'll have to do it myself, taking on a ragtag selection of martial artists in a series of elaborate fights. Luke. Luke. Okay, my only question is the only question here is which specific one I get. I think it's Mortal Kombat Annihilation. You got it. That's the right answer. <laughs> Luke, you ran away off this game. Okay. Good job, Luke. Here, because I did have a bonus question in case for some Why? reason. Why? No. In case for some reason, Mark is tied with you. I have because I just think this is super. Oh I think God. this is a fun question anyway, just for just for just for a trivia. What okay. is the what is the lowest grossing Ridley Scott film? And I have I have multiple choice answers here. Uh, White Squall, Someone to Watch Over Me, The Last Duel, A Good Year. Or 1492 Conquest of Paradise? Uh, I'm going to go Last Duel. Okay. Luke? Um, God, it ought to be a good year, but uh, I'm thinking probably 1492. You're right in both ways because a good year is the second lowest grossing release. No movie. way. Uh, White Squall made 10.2 million. Someone to watch over oh, wow. 10.27. The Last Duel, 10.85 million. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, this is just domestic, by the way. Um, yeah. A good year, seven point four five million in fourteen ninety two. The two and a half hour Christopher Columbus uh, biopic that you do not know exists because you forgot yeah, that I have... made that uh, seven point nine million. Um, and that movie was probably not cheap <laughs> to guess. So, yeah, that is uh, those are his lowest grossing films. Well, that was fun. All right. Well, Marcus, you you certainly were there during games, but now I... it's time for you to continue being here. <laughs> Along with Luke for out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. I'm not uh, too enthusiastic right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's okay because this is a fun part. You get to participate whatever you want to say. Uh, this is where we go to the various <laughs> dancers at the Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. Ask number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us some answers. And so, Marcus, Luke, feel free to throw in any answers you might have as we go through these. First up, what's your favorite Joaquin Phoenix performance? Irene Johnson writes Johnny Cash and Walk the Line. Philip Hurd has loved him in signs. 
Chris Cleveland has either Cash in Walk the Line or Theodore in her. And Maxwell Haddon, friend of the show, has her and the Master. What are your favorite Walking Ooh, the, performances? The Master's good. That's that's actually a good answer. My answer is I'm still here because he actually convinced the entire world that he was that character. <laughs> that's not a bad answer, too. Yeah. It's funny because like the the Master is not my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like I do think that's a great performance. Like, I guess he's really good in that movie. Um, doing yeah. what he's doing there. Well, it's it's really performance driven more than director driven. I feel for, that movie. for sure. Yeah, I because I certainly think Phil Hoffman is also obviously like really good in there. All right, next question we have here: uh, What's your favorite Ridley Scott epic? Philip Hurt has Gladiator. Chris Cleveland has Gladiator, and Maxwell Haddad writes Kingdom of Heaven director's cut. Uh, I'm with Maxwell on that one. Do you guys have a favorite Ridley Scott epic? You know, it's um, funny. I, I own two copies of the Kingdom of Heaven director's cut. I've never gotten around to watching it, but I love the theatrical cut too. So uh, I also like. I, I, I know it got derided at the time. I think largely because it wasn't like Gladiator Two, which is ironic because he's making that movie now. Uh, but I think it's just a really nuanced portrayal of the Crusades, and then like there's a longer version that just expands on that even more. But uh, as I've said before, I despise Gladiator, so certainly not that one. <sighs> <laughs> anything but gladiator okay. marcus do you have an answer um i mean i really love napoleon wow that's what I, kingdom of heaven is great like i i don't think i'm as into it as as you are but i really love napoleon i'll put napoleon luke did you have an answer by the way um well i said the theatrical cut of kingdom of heaven i think offhand um I don't know if Black Hawk Down counts as a historical epic. It's very recent history, but it's pretty epic too. I'd call it that. Like I'd say the same yeah. about like American Gangster, which I think is really great. Um, like I said, I, I think like his epic stuff is pretty consistent. <laughs> like outside of like Exodus and Columbus, that movie. Like I and I don't know if Robin Hood counts as an epic. It's more focused. But like I well look the Columbus movies. Let's be honest; they rush both of those out just to, so they could release them in 1992 on the 500 year anniversary. That that was really the only reason that exists. Is that real? Yeah, because two of them came. Yeah, out. There were two Columbus movies at the same time. Which is oh no. yeah. my god! <laughs> and the and the one not directed by Scott is the better one. <laughs> oh wow! But they're both bad. All right, well, the next question we have here. Um, who are your favorite cinematic emperors or kings? Scott Neil Astor writes, Connery and the men who would be king, like most real-life kings, power corrupted him. Brandon Peters from the show has Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, of course. <laughs> Todd Lieben, up front of the show, has the Emperor's new groove, so uh, Kuzmo, Kuzmo, uh, Kuzco. Kuzco, thank you. And Chris Cleveland, ha- Chris Cleveland has King Leonidas from 300 and King Ralph, of course. Yeah, there we go. I, <laughs> of course, King Ralph. I'll go with King Ralph because apparently I don't know anything about kings and emperors. I'm going to throw in Eddie Redmayne from Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> what was his name? Abrasis. <laughs> okay. okay. Next one we have here. What are your favorite cinematic royal relationships? Philip hmm. writes Colin Firth and Jeffrey Rush in King, the King's Speech. It's a okay. way to go with that question, but I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> didn't say romantic relationships, so yeah. yeah. That's true, I did not. Uh, what else? What else you guys got? Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's good. The only one coming to mind is Luke Skywalker kissing his sister, but... <laughs> is it... 
What is this historical epic still? As far as just royal relationships in general. Royal relationships. That was good. Luke Skywalker gives his sister. That's a good answer. Um, I mean, who was King Ralph in a relationship with? The you know the I I believe it's like some like (laughs) random English woman that he's like he has to. (laughs) I don't know. What do you have an answer for that? I don't know. Uh, King Kong's relationship with Godzilla. yeah, that, that's challenging. Um, <laughs> Princess Buttercup and um, Wesley. Love. All right, uh, next question. Who are some great lead characters in films with highly memorable hats? Todd Liebenau has the Sorcerer's Apprentice from Fantasia. Philip Harrod has Indiana Jones. And Chris Hillen has Paddington Bear. Ooh, Pat- <laughs> Paddington Bear is a good answer, too. Damn it. Um, Willy Wonka has one. I had Willy Wonka, Gandalf. Art the Clown has that little hat that I enjoy. I think that oh, yeah. brings the whole thing together. Sure. Oh, Freddy Krueger, of course. Freddy Krueger, yeah. Odd job. It's kind of the, kind of the same as Indiana Jones's hat. If you yeah, think it's the, yeah, they're basically the same character when you really get down to it. Both of them abused a younger person when they were all younger. That's uh, true. <laughs> had to make up for it later on in some way. Huh. Uh, I mentioned if Odd Freddy Job. He wasn't an abuser. He was just a murderer. Yeah, well. I'm sorry, I keep confusing that with the Jackie Earl Haley version where they're like, let's make it a little different. Let's have him also abuse the children. <laughs> Fair enough. That'll get people well, on his side. Version of Freddy, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sam Jackson's Kangle hats and Jackie Brown. Sam Jackson's Kangle hats in real life. Yeah, in real life, but you know, he, he brought it to screen. <laughs> right. <laughs> As Ordell sure. Roby. Or R D E L L R O B I E. I like Michael Jackson and Moonwalker. <laughs> any others historical hats I didn't say historical just memorable just memorable hats, just memorable hats any hats it's okay we can move on yeah. last question what are your favorite cinematic battles from epics Todd Liebenau has Helm's Deep from Two Towers Justin Weatherby has Saving Private Ryan when they land on Omaha Beach in Normandy fun fact my yeah. stepdad as a ranger got to jump into Omaha Beach with the 82nd for a ceremony many years ago Philip Hurd has the Battle of Pelennor Fields in Return of the King and Joe Jans has the finale of Avengers Endgame. Favorite cinematic battles from epics? Um, this is kind of a repeat answer, but the entirety of Black Hawk Down is basically one cinematic battle. It's uh, really impressive. I, I watched Black Hawk Down the other day because the new 4K came out for it, and I haven't seen it in a while. And that movie really just like throws you in and just doesn't, is pretty relentless. Marcus, did you have any? Epic battle sequences? Yeah. Um, not that everybody already mentioned the ones I was going to mention. Um, I don't know. There's they in, in Toy Story three. Go on. There's a <laughs> there's a pretty badass battle sequence. So uh, in uh, um, with that bear, lots of that badass battle sequence of lots. That of badass battle sequence. This is literally the first thing that popped in my head. People are but... still talking about it. Yeah, exactly. I just discussed it. There's probably a battle sequence in in, in Good Burger, the there, original. There, there's better battles in other Pixar movies. <laughs> <laughs> like like The Incredibles. It's like oh yeah, Pixar. of course. Yes, the superhero one. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that now. Feedback. 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 And that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode. <laughs> now there it is. You can find more of my work on everything I do 
You can find everything I do over at my personal blog, thecodazit.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for Wheel of Entertainment, Ruby Reviews, and Wise Blueberry Criterion and Blueberry Reviews. I am also on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Luke Thompson, where can people find more of you online? Well, I'm now on TikTok, which is a new thing for me. I'm doing quick reviews of things that I otherwise wouldn't be paid to review. So I'm LYT Rules, L-Y-T-R-U-L-E-S on TikTok and on Twitter or X or Blue Sky or whatever. Uh, you can read my work at the AV Club at Slash Film at uh, Superhero Hype is where most of it lands. And uh, yeah, I think that's all my outlets at the moment. But uh, follow me on, you know, follow me on the socials and you'll find whatever they are. Marcus Robinson. I am on X, Twitter, uh, Movies Marcus. I'm on Instagram at Movies Marcus One. And yeah, moviesmarcus.com is my website. Great. You can find all the other episodes about now with their name on iTunes, Audible, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're all various versions of slash out now podcast or slash out now underscore podcast. You know, you can find us. We got all the socials and stuff going on. Uh, once again, iTunes and Spotify reviews and ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Uh, Marcus, Luke, I want to thank you both for joining me for this Napoleon episode. Thank you. Thank you. For sure. Happy to have you guys and, here. Mm-hmm. And best wishes to Abe for a speedy recovery. Thank you very much. Yes. yes I, I, I'm sure he'll hear that, but I also extend the same best wishes as well i do want abe to get better soon so he can get back on the show and, and tell marcus why he's wrong about all these things all the time um, <laughs> well i, I want to hear his hot take on good burger too also. i yeah <laughs> we need to do a, a, a whole thing but uh, good burger and good burger too but i i do appreciate you guys being here thank you the listeners for listening next week um guys there's a Godzilla movie open next week and guess what nothing else comes out that I want to talk about more <laughs> so that's what we're talking about next week we are talking about Godzilla minus one I'm very excited about that so stay tuned but that's going to do it for this week's show so until next time so long and goodbye You think you're so great because you have boats!